So let's just take a few moments to settle into a comfortable position. And that can be seated or laying down, leaning into support, feeling the structure and support of your own internal and external structures. With your mouth closed, tuning in to a calm, steady breath. Just noticing if there's any tension in your belly or chest or shoulders or jaw. And just getting curious about anything that does feel like an obstruction or a distraction. Just turn towards it without feeling like you need to get rid of it or it's in the way. Maybe you could just send it your breath, give it some space. Noticing the alignment of your body in whatever position that you've chosen for yourself. Notice if you feel balanced on the left and right side of your spine. Feel into your ribs above your pelvis, your shoulders above your hips. Very gentle tuck of your chin to lengthen the cervical spine. And bring your awareness down to your belly button and follow that central line from belly button to sternum or heart. And on your next inhale, see if you can create a little bit more space in that line. Just getting a little bit taller, a little longer. And notice how that impacts your breath. And without manipulating your breath, just become curious about the duration by counting your inhale. And counting the duration of your exhale. Once you have a, an average count of how long the inhale is, how long the exhale is, without bringing in more air, can you extend your inhale by one second? And without exhaling more air, just extend the exhale for one second.
as we breathe in that mindful and soothing way. Notice how there is strength and ease in your breath simultaneously. Notice how there's effort and there's an equal amount of surrender. beautiful life-giving breath. It's not complete without the inhale moving to the exhale and the exhale gliding into the inhale. It's the balance or the cycle of opposites that creates this breath. Can you breathe so softly and quietly? Imagining that there's a feather underneath your nose and you don't want it to move. Notice how that takes strength and control of your diaphragm, your belly. Find the immense softness. We need immense strength. Notice your posture. Ensure you're still creating space for your breath. Feeling aligned, open. Bring your gaze to the backs of your eyelids. And just notice the light, the shadow, movement, stillness. color and darkness. Without controlling or manipulating your gaze, just hold space to notice what you see. I'm going to take you on a visual journey inspired by the words and the work 
from this book called Angelus by Erica Jago and Ruth Vanderkamp. You are standing in your garden. Breathing in the clean, fresh air. And you see your favorite tree standing tall under the bright sunlight. A broad smile on your face. You greet this gentle giant of nature with a deep bow. You begin to circle the vast trunk of the tree, tickling its protective outer shell. And the branches, like long arms, extend towards you. Blushing, you intertwine your fingers between the branches like they were the hands of a very best friend. Responding to your joy, the tree sends more of its limbs to embrace you and the roots writhe up from the earth, spiraling around your legs to diffuse love into your body. The more affection the tree sends, the denser and more smothered you begin to feel. This limitless love feels like too much for you. Feeling intimidated and trapped, you start to kick off the roots and rip off the branches. Breathlessly, you shout, Stop, I cannot breathe. You are suffocating me. Immediately, the branches listen to your command and draw back. They unwind and unravel, extending back from whence they came. The tree leaves with such ease and indifference that you wonder if maybe it was because it never really loved you in the first place. This idea is not hard for you to fathom as you consider all the many things about you that are unlovable and undesirable. As the self-sabotaging returns, it consumes you and you feel your whole body coldly contract into something so small and detached. You look up at that big, beautiful tree that you admire so deeply, inspired by its mammoth size. And you wonder how the tree got that way. You look for the answers in its strong trunk knotted roots and thick limbs in contrast to the tender leaves and wispy branches. This tree is both strong 
and soft. It did not get this way by playing small and acting insignificant. It grew through many seasons of cold and warmth, giving and receiving what it needed. Standing up taller, you now own this truth. I am this tree. I have seasons of light and darkness. I can be lovable and a mess. This simple yet profound realization changes the tempo of your breathing. Your inhales become brave and vast. Your exhales bring patience and depth. Excitedly, you continue to fill yourself up with your own loving breath. Your love for your whole self expands into a sense of euphoria that cannot be contained and must be shared. And so you climb the tree with a strong, pulsating desire to love more than you previously thought possible. And as you climb higher and higher, you hear a rhythm that sounds like the beating of your own heart getting louder and louder. Just gift yourself one minute here to just feel and notice what is arising, what is there to be felt. Continue holding the hand of your breath. Move in deeper with curiosity and compassion. Trust that whatever you're feeling or noticing just needs to be met with unconditional love, to be seen and felt and heard.
And if it feels safe and comfortable to place your hands on your body, gently place a hand on your heart and belly. And feel your own loving touch. We'll finish with the Ho'oponopono mantra. Direct this deep within yourself if you came into contact with something that had any salience, anything that felt important, powerful, or uncomfortable. You could also direct this externally to someone or something in your life. And we'll repeat this internally three times. You can repeat after me. Thank you. I'm sorry. I forgive you. I love you. Thank you. I'm sorry. I forgive you. I love you. Thank you. I'm sorry. I forgive you. I love you. When you're ready, open your eyes back up. Maybe gaze around the room to help you land, ground in your space. Move your body in any way that feels nourishing, soothing. So my sweet Kalea, how was that for you? That was a really beautiful journey. Mm -hmm. 
I loved your tree analogy and your voice was so soothing. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's not my I analogy. It's from the book, Angelus. <laughs> <laughs> Thank but you, Angelus. Yeah. For the crowdfunding yeah. initiative. Yes, yes. I Beautiful loved book. Yeah, mm -hmm. we should write one one day. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Could you imagine the costumes? <laughs> Please fund us. Send us around the world. Okay, let's work okay. on this. Uh, I'm yeah. building a vision board at the moment. I think I'm gonna put on that picture of you with your like uh, zebra tights in your family photo. I remember this one. <laughs> with me crawling towards yeah. the camera. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's a great uh, picture. <laughs> but truly, I love that even though you're, you know, we're across an ocean right now and mm. your life is tracking, creating these beautiful experiences. And I'm truly, I feel so honored to get to sit and like feel the difference in my body that that kind of a practice can make. Mm -hmm. And since I've, I don't know, for the past month, I dove back into Ho'oponopono. Yeah. So to have you finish with that meditation, because as soon as the tree walked away, I was like, step into your practice. Love mm -hmm. the tree, even if it's leaving me, that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. I didn't do anything wrong. And if there is mm -hmm. some trigger charge from, you know, that experience, then it's, it just needs to be dissolved with love. And yeah, it's been well, really weird. You're, you're the tree. And I'm right? a tree. You're the tree. That's <laughs> So that, you know, to me, that the fact that you, you even were able to express that, that you felt a separation happen, that's, mm -hmm. that's pointing to the current wound that's coming up for you is the wound of separation. Yeah. Right? I don't when, like that one. Yeah. It's not a fun <laughs> I'm wound. I'm learning to love it. It's not fun. It's not a fun wound. It's, it's kind of tender and raw. Yeah. yeah. When you think about all the time just being triggered, but. Mm. we're the tree yeah exactly i think that's the point you know in all my work in, in working with paradox yeah. and non-dualism it's it's exactly that as well of, of recognizing this this strength and tenderness mm -hmm. that it's there simultaneously and that's really what makes this this strength and this this ability to flow and adapt it, it's it's recognizing that we need to honor both of these equally mm -hmm. and that includes this, this separation or a differentiation of, well, I am me and you are you. We're different people. Well, that's mm -hmm. true. But what's also true and an equal truth is that there's actually no space between you and I. We are the same. We come from the same cloth. You know, we're, one of my favorite reminders or mantras is that we're each this unique wave within the ocean of consciousness. And sometimes maybe our own unique wave might you know, be cresting really high and we feel very separated or bigger than or alone, but we're still a part of the same ocean. And, and if we can just travel back down to come back into that place of that fluidity of connection, it's always there. You are the tree. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I feel it. Yeah. That breath too. Just like that. I, I really loved your, the cue that you use, which is something that I don't encourage myself to explore is mm -hmm. to just try length in the breath and how mm -hmm. it was actually 
effortless. It felt lighter. It felt mm-hmm. like I could like rest a little bit more gently instead of just stay in that five count breath that I was like, okay, I'm breathing for about five counts, not five breaths, but whatever number I'm counting in my mind. Yeah. And then it's yeah. like, well, try six. And I'm like, actually six fits. Six mm-hmm. feels better. Maybe mm-hmm. I should count to six instead of five. Okay. And yeah you know, like retrain the brain to do things that we don't encourage it to do often enough, Mm -hmm. like open the door with my left hand for a while instead of my right hand or brush my teeth, vice versa. And just like, keep that, keep that balance happening in our, Mm -hmm. in our body and grow a bit more. Totally. Right. Cause it's, it's those, yeah, thank you. You know, just it, it, for me, it's the uh, bring it back to the brain of the neural pathways that we create when we do the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it's such a beautiful part of being human that we can habituate in this way. But yeah, then it then it can become like a really, really ingrained pathway where mm-hmm. it becomes really difficult. You know, you saying brush your teeth with your left hand, like to me, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my, actually, that actually, wouldn't be that bad. Yeah, I think actually I have to brush with my right hand for it to feel weird. I keep forgetting sometimes I'm left-handed. But. <laughs> <laughs> being dyslexic that happens from time to time so left right that's so funny <laughs> yeah but you know it's you know that's exactly it just trying to switch it up in the different way so that we're keeping our brain on its toes per se yeah you know yeah that's definitely really and that's kind of like the allowing the finality of the breath to come so the space can happen for the next for the next breath, mm-hmm. when I think about it often enough, it, and like kind of peel apart the layers of what that, like how often that experience happens through our lives of, of these farewells and you never know when you'll see this person again and you'll never know when the light will shine through the leaves and make that perfect color of green or the catch the glow of the dew in the morning when you're out walking through the cornfields, <laughs> excuse mm-hmm. me, but it's, it's heartbreaking because we're around potentially continual farewells. Mm -hmm. And I think if, I don't know, I've had some days that I've walked around these beautiful streets and country pastures in Italy. And I'm like, kind of like heart on my sleeve, crying at the drop of a hat being like, it's a dragonfly. But I don't know the the life course of it and I'm making it sound more dramatic than it is, but there's no, like, there's a lot of serenity and wisdom in the silence mm-hmm. and it's yeah. Humbling to be calmed down to the state that I am now compared to what life has been like for a while to actually mm-hmm. feel so much gratitude for that moment of connection and that brief passing to be super present with the life that is still alive in me right now and yeah beautiful yeah even in what you shared it's to me it's uh it's like a constant grieving that can happen you know and and that's not a bad thing like it again as i you know before we even hit record it's one of my again my favorite reminders is too much of anything is no longer a good thing Mm -hmm. and so you know i've definitely been in those states where very similar to what you just described where I just feel like I am grieving everything. I'm feeling everything. I am empathizing with this little bug on the sidewalk and I'm looking at people in their eyes and feeling their pain. And like, it's, um, it's non-functional for me when I get into that state, like it's, it's beautiful. It cracks me open. Mm -hmm. And 
and I think that's really important work, especially with what's going on in the world right now, is to be willing to continue to increase our container of what we're capable and willing to feel. Mm -hmm. And we do need to kind of pull it in sometimes or balance it out, right? Yeah. So it's not, it's, again, for me, it's not the, oh, that's enough grieving. I'm going to put that aside now and turn to joy. It's actually, no, I'm going to still, I'm going to, I love this process of actually honoring death and, and being in this grieving state of every moment is a little death. Everything mm -hmm. I say yes to, I'm also saying no to a lot of things. And I, I need to grieve those things I said no to. But that, I don't want that to overshadow what I'm saying yes to. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to be able to hold space for the, the joy and the bliss and the light. And the more I practice doing that, the more I find that I'm able to empathize in a much, a much more, um, <laughs> I want to say efficient way, which is kind of funny because that's, you know, that's not really what, what it's about. But it is in a sense of like, I, I move in, I feel but I'm not, I'm not getting stuck and I'm not attaching to these little moments of grieving, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm also feeling them immensely while yeah. also feeling the hope and the joy and this, this bliss of being alive and being in this human body, mm -hmm. right? To be able to hold both of those at the same time, you know, to me, that's the sweet spot. Because something quickly follows, I find, when there's like, mm -hmm. you never know the... Right, right. The back journey to the that, mm -hmm. yeah. And even yeah. on like large scale life events, when there's like, you know, a, a dear friend who came out and joined me for my run, actually, um, encountered some hardships in life and, and lost really important people in her story. And then her and her partner at the time, when she did the run this time last year with me, she got married. And then they just found out later that they're having a baby and this wasn't planned, but it's like, there was a big loss that life is kind of refilling because it doesn't want us to stay. It doesn't want us to stay grieving, but I think having an appreciation or understanding that th there is this duality is mm -hmm. really, really crucial for kind of like moving up those kind of rungs in, in life experience. And yeah, I can't say that. I would regret any of them. I think there's more grace that I could have applied to some of the like exits and losses that I've had to take, mm -hmm. but that's, that's okay. That's part of the learning experience too. And sometimes yeah. we just do what we can with our emotions at that time. And mm -hmm. yeah, there's always a, a rainbow after a storm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm, trees I'm, where you can hold their hands. Yeah. That was a beautiful analogy. Isn't that nice? Holding hands yeah. with a tree and it wrapping yeah. around you. And what I love about this too is I, I relate so much to that feeling of like, that's too much love. You're smothering me. Like, I'm pretty sure I said those exact uh. words to my husband last week. Like, <laughs> to the point where he he's actually, you know, it's taken a little bit of, not backpedaling, but I've had to like reopen this conversation many mm. times. Because he'll say little things like, like I've, I've had to, I have to close down my heart to avoid being hurt by you. Like he's, he said that mm. to me, um, simply because I, I get into these phases where I, yeah, I do feel smothered by love. Like I'm, I get, I just am so independent or I want to be so independent. Mm -hmm. And, and it's almost like that much love scares me, or I feel like now I'm responsible mm. for something. It's, it's the funniest, strangest little, um, impulse that I have 
and and but it's really opened up some really beautiful conversations of, of trying to get more into the nuances of what what's mm -hmm. really going on you know because it's it's not that i don't want him to love me like that's the opposite of what i'm saying yeah but it's it's more of you know you know this is kind of a, an interesting very intimate thing to be sharing but it um sometimes i feel like attacked by his love <laughs> you know or like it's now's not the right time like love me later like i'm doing my own thing right now and and yeah. it becomes this really interesting dance where how do we how do we really stay in this position of being these whole confident individuals and i guess this brings me back to the non-dualism of to be able to do that and be able to identify as this independent woman yet also mm -hmm. identify as being a partner mm -hmm. and i sometimes i i I pull a little too far into the individual side and I push away the partnership almost like I, I don't want to feel weak. I don't want to mm. feel like I need support. You know, it's interesting. So speaking of wounds, like that's, that's mine. Mine is the, the pushing away love for, you know, I'm still, I'm still digging into, into this to really understand what it is. And I'm, I'm very lucky that he's so patient and, <laughs> and, you know, and, and I'm able to quickly point out as well that like, it's not actually about you. Like, I know this is my stuff. Like, mm -hmm. please keep loving me. Like, don't, <laughs> don't let me push you away. Like, this wow. is my own stuff. And I'm continually, everything I do, it's just like, oh, this is a mirror projecting back what I need, to, mm -hmm. what I need to work on. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's the other, first time I read this, this poem from Angelus, I, you know, I, I had to read it several times. Like it, it touched me really, really deep. It's beautiful. There's a, a concept that I've been learning a little bit about um, regarding that, regarding what you just shared. And I'm not sure if now is a time that you, that feels good for you, but could I, could I let yeah. you know something I'm learning about right now? Please, yes. Okay, so you talked earlier about a container and mm -hmm. kind of enhancing this container that can hold our breath. And that same theory can come into our programming with our capacity to hold positive feelings and love. And a friend of mine who's an osteopath is doing, a, she's done quite a bit of work in Zen Buddhism and is doing a few workshops with some teachers, but got me involved in a program that links up um, finding mastery through all the aspects of our life. Oftentimes we excel in certain areas and we kind of fixate mm -hmm. and focus on those areas and like grow our ability to like be very proficient, but we can forget about other ones and maybe not possess the same innate skills or like born skills to find great success. Yeah. And it's, they give you this little, I don't know, they kind of give you an overview to see maybe what isn't obvious and mine were totally obvious. My, I love my lifestyle. I feel like I'm, you know, not quite finding balance in some areas of my life, like maybe career, definitely mm -hmm. career, definitely mm -hmm. intelligence, needing to find more ways that I can work on that and finances. It's always been a roller coaster for me. Like those three mm -hmm. topics are just, I haven't quite found the thing to put the hook in and be like, ah, but the other aspects they're like, great, you've built, you know, nine of these are awesome three of them can use improvement and we're gonna we're gonna like show you how mm. but a really neat aspect that we touched uh, that was touched on was the fact that 
we are programmed to breathe in so much and breathe out so much. We're mm -hmm. programmed through life experiences to hold this much love or see this much love happen around us and give that much love. But it's mm -hmm. possible for us to increase and actually stay at that level. We don't have to exhale. And now is like a really neat time because we're kind of, if we're choosing to use our indoor time wisely with quarantining that's happening in some countries and just more of this like insular self-discovery moment, mm -hmm. there's no fear. There's a lot of people aren't experiencing, you know, some are experiencing a lack of food and basic needs being met. But if we're feeling like there's support in our life, it's a really cool opportunity to increase our capacity for holding love. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just learning that there, this is something that I can increase. You know, oftentimes I'm like having a super blissful moment and then I've got to go clean the toilet. And it's like, mm -hmm. does the toilet need to be clean right now? Mm, a, do I even own a toilet, which is the funniest concept, but like I'm living in a home now and it's very stable and it feels fun. It feels kind of like I'm on a, I don't know, I'm living a fairy tale now and I finally have a home and it's, yeah. it's pretty fun. Mm. But that, that trigger in our mind is, is from a, our like old brain. It's from mm -hmm. previously when we had to go and you know, harvest food or the wolves were coming or a storm is on the horizon and you've got to like go into fear mode. But I think the breath can actually transition us into a state that's going to help lengthen that process. And through a few mm -hmm. other like mind reprogrammable bits, mm -hmm. a lot of people are having great success. And I know this is an area in my life that I've, that I'm peeling away the layers on. And I think often I've moved away from my triggers because that's just life's offered an opportunity to go. And I'm like, great, I'm going to take this opportunity and maybe not look at them face to face. So it's, it might be easier, maybe not as easy mm -hmm. when I return home, but easier for me to like roll with these, integrate these changes when I'm on the road, not around yeah. them. Yeah. But I've definitely noticed a change in my ability to like sustain enjoyment and feel mm -hmm. like it's not about you know, I don't have to resist it. And it's like mm -hmm. this open-hearted acceptance that is coming through the process. But to learn that yeah. there's a science behind it and through what you were sharing, I'm like, wow, I think this could be something you might enjoy. And I- Yeah. Yeah, I'd be very curious to, to hear more of the, you know, the tangible steps or practices that are shared in that program. Because, you know, as you know, I'm, this is what I live and breathe and I love tools. Yeah. And, and I do find that at this point, most of it's very similar. It's just different language, different, different approaches to the very same stuff. Like we're all trying to do the same thing is how, how can I be a little more resilient? You know, how can I, how can I change my perception or my story or my belief about this thing so that I can create a little bit more space for it, maybe see it in a different way. And, and it's interesting the way that you described, you know, having these triggered environments or these triggered situations and, you know, the fact that you are in a completely different environment right now is it's almost like you've been given some space to start working through some of this stuff without just constantly having these triggers in your mm -hmm. face. And what's interesting is I see myself as I do the opposite, where as soon as I notice a trigger, I'm like, here I go. Like, what, how many times <laughs> did I smash my face into this? <laughs> you know exposure therapy you know and, and it does work but 
you know, it's just, yeah, it's just really hard on my husband. Mm. You know, it's really hard for him to see me get into these like bouts where it'll be a, a week or two um, where I, I do look like I'm, I'm going downward in a sense. Like I, I get more tense because I am immersing myself in something that I realized I'm struggling with because I'm, I want to know it and I want, I want to move through it. And, and I generally do, but I do it in a way that, yeah, it's very extreme and intense. And so I see, you know, you know, a really good reason why you and I are, are such good friends that we have such good time together is that we're very much the same but we're also opposites in some really interesting ways. And so even in just that example, it's like you and I need to like meet here in the middle, you know, or, you know, maybe you're pushing your face in a little bit more and I'm actually like easing off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do, do you recall any of the, any of the steps or what, what, what are you learning so far in this program that's, that's helping you see this in, in a way to practice? This process that I've gone through a few of the phases and the first two have been mostly focused on like my, like the physicality. So where I'm trying to transition my health and fitness and like, and body goals too. Mm -hmm. And it gives you like the first aspect touches in on your purpose and it, it asks like probing questions to find out like, what is it you want to do? Like, why, how are you trying to get there? Essentially just helping, helping you find the words in your mind through like, through space and through imagery. And, um, and then it asks you to create some, create some statements around what's coming up. So it's like, it's a bit of a video that you, that you link up to. And then, and then you've got time, you've got kind of a week to, to go through with these ideas. And it asks like, it asks your vision and it asks you to pull out some like really keystone moments in life that will make you become more accountable to like build, build the mastery in your life. They give examples that have led to their success um, through applying these. And I'm just kind of like tip of the iceberg. But the, mm. the reason this program was mentioned to me was from that friend who was actually like, you could learn how to enhance your enjoyment for chapters of life. And that'll come up, that'll come up through the relationship aspect. So I know that mm. now that I've like touched on the first chapter, I could understand, I guess that I could see that there would be, you know, when are times that you've like shut down in relationships? I haven't actually reached that stage yet to see their probing questions, but um, definitely when I do, I'll, I'd love to share it with you. It's like a, an hour and a half video. And then they send um, great questions that follow up and, yeah. It would be, it'd be neat to just as a, an experiment. Cause you're such a great guinea pig in mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> diving your mind and heart and body into anything. Yes. Self-inflicted <laughs> guinea pig. That's yeah. me. All for yeah. the love. Well, and you know, and what you just shared to me, it's, it's really any, any kind of program or support where you are offered some high quality questions to really just stop in that go, 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 do, 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 distract, avoid, numb, sleep, Mm -hmm. eat, Mm -hmm. uh, entertain, you know, the things that we do that are beautiful in life, but too much of that also will stunt us. Yeah. And, and so it's, you know, we, we stop and we start asking like, what do I want? Mm -hmm. What do I need? What's my purpose? Like what, what lights me up? 
You know, how do I want to feel when, my, when I lay my head down at night? How do I want to feel on my deathbed? What do I want people to feel after they walk away from an interaction with me? You know, these things to really help us pause and check in. And then the other side to it is, well, we need to also cultivate the ability to stay with that question. Because sometimes, you know, that mm -hmm. question of what's my purpose, you know, often I see a lot of people like immediate overwhelm, like I'm supposed to know that, <laughs> you know, I don't know what my purpose is yet. And, and then it becomes almost defensive or walls up because that's a big question to answer. And, and these, yeah. these big high quality questions to me, it's about planting the seed of the question and then mm -hmm. letting it percolate. You know, and to keep revisiting it and coming back to it, noticing how it feels in your body and then trying things out and then, yeah. you know, coming back to see, did that shift something in me? Did that give me a little bit more insight into yeah. what I want more of? And that, you know, that's really how I started my whole journey into, into a new life, into breaking out of this like dark depressive shell that I had, you know, habituated myself into and was born with, <laughs> you know, that all my programming was like this shell and to crack out of that shell and, and start learning how to walk again and how to breathe and how to move and how to think and how to eat, you know, all of that stuff takes a lot of work and to be able to have those questions that kind of mm -hmm. give you, to me, it's a, you know, the, the analogy I love with this work is that we want to keep turning towards like the, whether it's the darkness or the, the unknown or what makes us uncomfortable. And to be able to have a little bit of scaffolding there or a little bit of a template. So it's not just like diving into the unknown and flailing until you figure it out. Like, no, there's little things you can do that actually give you some structure. So as you're walking through the darkness, you're actually like, well, I'm, I'm holding on to this. Or I know that a couple steps forward, I've got this. So I can linger here a little bit, know that when I take two steps forward, I'm going to land on something solid. That makes it mm -hmm. so much easier to keep moving deeper into this cave. Mm -hmm which is where we find the answers to these beautiful big questions that we seem to be asking ourselves. Wow. Mm. Beautifully said. I think that's something that I've really, that I really appreciate about your friendship is having high quality questions. And I know mm -hmm. that it doesn't matter, like we'll send brief updates and then we'll get these moments where we get to converse and mm -hmm of probe into into the wise and that's a really beautiful thing to have echoed mm. because so often I think yeah I built my career on asking people questions and essentially it, it, it's transformed from personal training to teaching yoga oftentimes those I was asking questions that they just answered in their mind you know like mm. how much how much further can you go I believe in you but what can you do you know, like mm -hmm. how much deeper can you breathe? How much longer can you hold this stretch? You know, it's just a, a curiosity. And then, mm -hmm. you know, it led to, to guiding and it's actually asking personal questions and building relationships with these like bodies moving and having a lot more words come back. I noticed like, wow, it's really different when you echo questions of <clears throat> questions that bring out a silent response versus questions that bring out a vocal response. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think that silence holds a lot more power mm -hmm. because it's making a link to our own story. Yeah. 
yeah, giving people the space to just, you know, plant the seed, drop the question, and then let them yeah. go on the internal journey. And that's, you know, yeah. I think that's such a good point of discerning, discerning that there is a time and a place for silence. And then there is definitely a time and place where conversation and vocalization is necessary to do a little bit mm -hmm. of that banter or tossing the volley back and forth. And then every mm -hmm. once in a while, you just need to stop and be like, how is this impacting me? Like, what am I noticing? Yeah. Yeah. And that's really, it's the art of, of self facilitation, right? Which I'm, I'm realizing now that as I, you know, that question of what's my purpose and I love that question and it continues to evolve as I learn and grow and, and with what's going on in the world right now, I, I started getting this really like my fire burden of like, I need to do more. I need to help. Mm -hmm. I, I need to be better. I need to get more educated. I need to be a real ally. Like I need to be willing to stay in this uncomfortable space of racism and police brutality and, and the marginalization of, of people from the moment they're born, like to really try my best to step into those shoes and let myself feel that that felt like the work that I needed to do. And it made me nauseous for weeks. And I was raging and I was <laughs> crying a lot. And, and it was from doing that, that because I know the art of self-facilitation, that I also could sit with it and, and have a little conversation with these parts of me that were almost battling. You know, the parts, one part saying like, why are you doing this to yourself? Like, <laughs> just go numb out. Or another part saying, this isn't your problem. You're not doing any good by just feeling all this. And another mm -hmm. part saying, this is really important. Like you need to keep feeling, feeling this and be willing and, and to be able to hold space for all of those as they start to reorganize without putting one on a pedestal or listening to one more than the other. But just feeling that disorganization and that rage inside of me until things start to settle. And, and it's through doing this consistently. And of course I've had help with teachers. I have so many amazing mentors and teachers at this point in my life who've been wonderful. But what I've realized is that my purpose now is I wanna teach people the art of self-facilitation. And for a long time I have been saying when I start a coaching relationship with someone is, you know, my job is to work myself out of the job. I don't want people to be dependent on me. I love being a leader, but I don't, I don't want to be responsible for you. Like I, I'll, you know, I'll create some stuff, but like you need to do it. I don't, I don't want people knocking on my door saying I need a tune up. Like I need people to understand that they're the healer. Right. And, and to be able to, you know, even I think it was yesterday morning when I woke up and I just felt, I felt pain in my chest. You know, this, this concept of I can't breathe, you know, just takes on, such a deep visceral meaning with what's been going on and and you know just simply even that george floyd video of him saying i can't breathe like i'm gonna cry even just like thinking about it but it you know to wake up yesterday morning and feel that pain in my chest and that i can't breathe and i was able to sit with it and sit with the pain and breathe and and a memory popped up when I was about four or three, when I almost drowned. And I was at the swimming pool 
and I was swimming with my dad and my brother and, and my dad, um, I didn't have a life jacket on. My dad's just kind of carrying me around under his arm and my brother wanted to jump off the diving board. And so my dad just like hooked me to the side of the pool and he said, don't try to climb out. It's really slippery. I'll be right back. And so I watched him and my brother walk over to the diving board and me being me, I was like, I can climb out. And so of course I tried to climb out and I slipped back in and I, this, this all like came rushing back to me yesterday as I was holding space for myself, like watching little me fall into the water and first panic. And then just like this overwhelming peace of just like, okay, this is happening. Like just floating further and further down and someone swam by right above me and I reached up and I grabbed onto her leg and so she yeah. reached down and pulled me up and you know it was such a a beautiful moment for me yesterday I was like talking to little me being like oh that must have been so scary for you you know a higher self in me is, is speaking to little Marin who's brought this memory back up to be felt and to hold space for it and allow it to actually move to completion. I felt that release. My chest that opened up, the pain was gone. Mm. And I, I was sitting for a good 45 minutes crying, talking to myself. Like, you know, I, at moments when I'm doing this, I'm like, I wish there was a camera filming this. Like, mm. I'm sure I look insane, but it is, <laughs> this is the most important skill. One of the most important skills. Breathing is the other one. But to be able to do this self-facilitation process, to, to be able to move in with these little uncomfortable feelings that we have that we so often run away from mm -hmm. or make them mean something. In that moment, I could have yeah. been, made it mean so many different things. But to stay with it and have that processing, that memory, that conversation with myself, it became a moment where I just felt a new level of integration happened. That, wow. that part of me, has been there and probably scared and feeling that for a long time. I finally felt it and was able to meet it and love it and move through it. And, and since then, like I was really for days leading up to that, I could feel something building inside of me, like something was up. And right after that, it was just like, Oh, it's gone. Like I, I feel like I can breathe easier. My energy yeah. went to a new level. You know, I just, I can't, I can't speak highly enough about how powerful and transformative self-regulation, self-facilitation is. Is there a way that you walk yourself through that feeling? I know in the mm -hmm. past that I, there's been people that have described different formulas that, that are effective, but is there, is there something that you do in particular to kind of get to the root of you being little, that little? Yeah. Having it? Yeah. You know, so what comes up for me initially is that there's two of my teachers specifically that have really helped with this. And that's Christine Wushke and, and Prem Robin Campbell. Um, Christine's in Okotoks and Prem's here in Calgary. Uh, I could name so many other teachers, but those two specifically have been vital in this process for me. So initially to just start practicing this is what I I've coined as the Brita process where you're, you just start, it's an acronym. So you start with your breathing, 
just get into that rhythm because our brain loves rhythm. It starts to calm things down so we can start really just being with whatever's there. And then you recognize like something's shifted, like something's, something's different. I'm, you know, you might be able to recognize where you are in the spectrum of your nervous system. Am I really hyper aroused, activated? Am I moving into shutdown? You know, am I pulling away? And then you, you know, I consider that the tip of the iceberg and where a lot of people end up bowing out after that of like, oh, I just need to run or I'm just hungry or I don't have time for this right now. You know, that's, that's often what we end up doing, but we want to move deeper. And so I is, well, identify where you're feeling it in your body. And so at this point, it's not, it's not having a conversation necessarily. Uh, the more you practice these steps sequentially, the more it becomes just a fluid process where it's not, you know, this step, now this step. It just becomes a very interesting collaboration that's happening in real time. But identifying is, is where do I feel it in my body? And, and, and what, is, what am I actually feeling? You know, getting into the, the nuances of the sensation. So for me in that example, as I sat and I noticed like, okay, I'm, my pain is in my chest. And it feels like there's weight on it. Like there's pain in my diaphragm. There's pain in my chest. It feels like something's really tight. And mm -hmm. it felt, you know, really central. But there was also this band of like my diaphragm is struggling right now. Like there's tension. And it was uncomfortable. You know, you can name it that way as well. Like this doesn't feel good. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's no pleasure in this right now. And that's. And so it's not to judge it, it's just to really name it, you know, identify what it is. And then you track it. So once you've really landed on and what you're noticing, what you're feeling, you then follow it. Like, what's, is it pulsing? Is it growing? Does it disappear? Am I noticing like I get distracted? My mind goes elsewhere. That's part of the process to notice. Like, interesting, I'm having a really hard time even staying in contact with it. That's, that's part of what you notice. So for me in that example, as I was tracking it, it just felt like energy being sucked in almost like a black hole. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't amplifying. It was almost like everything was pulling in like my body. So basically I, I was in hyper arousal and I was feeling myself move into hypo arousal. I was starting to pull away. My body wanted to collapse. My shoulders wanted to curl forward. I wanted to, mm -hmm protect my heart, protect my diaphragm. I was curling in. So it was just, okay, just noticing that. This is what's happening now. This is what I'm feeling. And then with Britta, you move to A and A is address it. And that's where we can go off in many different directions of how you can work with yourself at this point. So for me, I knew at that point that this felt, you know, one, again, one of my favorite reminders is if it's hysterical, it's historical. And in that moment, I, you know, I had just woken up. I'd had a good sleep. In my mind, there was no real reason why I could say why this is happening. Because sometimes it's, oh, I just need to move, right? Or I am hungry. Or I didn't have a very good sleep last night. Or I had a fight with my partner. And I'm still feeling that. Like sometimes there's a very tangible reason. But for this, it just felt like this just feels a little hysterical right now like this pain, you know, the way my body's moving. And so for me, when that lights up for me, that's when I envision little Marin. 
because if it's hysterical, it's historical. So this is not actually current pain. This is about something that happened in the past, whether it happened to me as a child, whether it happened in utero, whether it happened to someone in my generational line, um, it's not mine, right? Or it's not this moment, like it's something else. So for me, that becomes the process of, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm going to envision little Marin emoting this or feeling this. And so as soon as I did that, picturing little me, this feeling, that's when suddenly it was just the memory popped up. There I am in the swimming pool drowning. So whether that was why I was feeling it or not, to me, it doesn't really matter. Because sometimes you will have a memory that pops up with it. And other times you won't. It'll just be like, I'm feeling something intense. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. You know, and so at that point, you would, we really just need to be able to be willing to feel it unconditionally. And I truly believe that nine times out of 10, that if we just actually hold space for it, and we don't turn away from it, if we stay with it and send it love and stay open to it and curious, keep creating space for it, that it actually just releases on its own. And you don't need to know why it was there, but it opens you up after that, where you have access to your whole brain again, your body opens up, everything starts moving with the parasympathetic system at that time, there's just the sense of release. And you know, another way that I work with this as well is that if I find that it's a really overwhelming feeling, like, you know, in the last six to nine months, there's been a lot of rage and a lot of grief in me and a lot of sadness. And, and while I don't want to turn away from that, I also know that too much of anything is no longer a good thing. And I'm not going to be helpful. I'm not going to be healthy if I stay in this state and I let it consume me. So that's when I, I hold it and I feel into what would be the opposite this and it's it can be very different each time depending on the I don't know the, the spectrum of what you're feeling or what's going on but you know for grief when you hold grief and then you go what would be the opposite you know in this moment when I feel a little bit of grief maybe the opposite is surrender right so then I turn towards surrender And I like to imagine my body as a house at this point. And I'm the higher self is hosting a dinner party and grief just barged in and is like the only guest. And I'm like, this is a little much. So I'm going to turn towards surrender. Be like, Hey, surrender, come join this dinner party, (laughs) balance out this table for me. So then surrender sits down and then I hold both. And that gives grief a little bit more space to do its thing. And that actually allows surrender to have a little bit more purpose with the grief. Mm-hmm. And, and the work I do with Christine Wushke with Tensegrity is that the process of when you hold opposites, you then get the emergent property of something else. It becomes this beautiful triangle. And, and so by holding oh. the opposite, suddenly there's, there's space or there's volume or there's peace or acceptance. Wow or joy, you know, it's different every time this emergent property arrives that is kind of like the surprise guest. Like, oh, you invited these two, you win, peace. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. There's There's a Sanskrit saying for that as well. And I, I think it's like Fitarka Bhavanan Pratipaksha something. Wow. 
I want to say bhavanam again, but it's when disturbed by disturbing thoughts, think about the opposite. Wait, say and that again. When, when disturbed by when disturbing disturbed. thoughts, mm -hmm. think about the opposite. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I have used that a lot of times because I've come through relationships where I've had an unfaithful partner and it kind of broke my trust for future relationships. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that before I would react on it, I had to repeat that to myself. When I knew it in Sanskrit, I said it like that quite often, but English is my native language. So that's a great option too. Yeah. Um, but I would just be like, I would put myself in that state to be like, think about the opposite. I'm very disturbed right now because I think that action that I'm seeing before me right now is a trigger because this is how an action from a past partner went like when they were being unfaithful, it looked like that. Mm -hmm. So I see that in this form and it triggers me and I'm like, <gasps> okay, then I'm like, okay, think about the opposite. And I'm like, you're right. There's actually no fear here. There's no reason to question. There's no red flag. The opposite is like the opposite's love and trust. And then it gives him more permission to freely live his life without having to change his actions to make me comfortable because that's not a healthy evolved relationship at the end mm -hmm. of the day. It's totally. me needing to find trust with discomfort. And that man, that phrase has been helpful. And also what I'm really grounded, having more like having more calmness in my breath. I often will bring it up just so they know what I'm working through. And I think it's mm -hmm. a sign of like, I think respect is shown. It's definitely shown in the relationship I'm with now. It's very, we're unmasking some really like beautifully challenging chapters, but it's mm -hmm. not hard. It's like, I just, I see you and I love you. And this is, this is what a partner's for. Mm -hmm. So it's been yeah. a neat, it's been like neat to apply it in that concept because yeah. it's always matters of the heart are always personal and we can make them hysterical yeah even because yeah. it's linked to something some kind of pain in our history exactly. that i guess all our relationships are yeah which just means we act out from this defensive place of i don't want to get hurt again yeah. right and you know what i would add even for you as a um, a suggestion is that even in that example of you know, noticing the fear of this trigger of I can't trust or, you know, what if this happens again? I think the next level really is about rather than being like, oh, fear is not necessary. I don't need fear. Like, what's the opposite? It's actually about being like, wow, thank you, fear. Right? The, the whole pono pono right away. Thank you. I love you. Like, I'm sorry. I forgive you. And there's also space for trust, right? Because if, if we get into that place of feeling like, oh, this isn't the appropriate emotion and I need to just shift gears and find something else, I think we're actually denying something that's, that's coming up with a really good intention. Like when you really stop and think about what a trigger is and why we react with these defensiveness um, words or actions, it's coming from this deep, impulsive animalistic desire for survival mm -hmm. and when we deny that that's we're just like that's another wound right so now we're yeah it's it's in the moment it's beautiful when we can shift gears and be like no like trust and good but it's again coming back to that non-dualism concept of 
well, what if we just actually hold space for both? I think that's when true healing and integration starts to happen because we're not denying any part of our existence. We're actually turning towards it and like, oh, thank you. Like, thank you for trying to protect me. Like that's what really softens the impulse and the trigger. It starts to recognize it's the same thing as exposure therapy. It starts to recognize, oh, this is actually a safe situation. Look how I was just responded to. It was a response of love and acceptance and softness. And that makes the emotional charge actually start to dissipate so that eventually it doesn't come up with as much of this, you know, feverish um, attention grabbing sensation, but it's really an important emotion as well. Right. And, and really that's the way, what I see so much of the world needs right now is, is to be able to recognize that we can, we can feel many different emotions at once and it's perfect and it's okay. You know, if, if we're, we don't want to feel this fear anymore. We don't, I'm just so sick of feeling uncomfortable. It's pretty easy to start. Well, I'm just going to stop watching the news and I'm just going to, you know, do what I do well. And, you know, let, let everybody else kind of figure out this issue that's going on. Cause it's not my problem. Whereas if we actually just open ourselves up to it, allow ourselves to feel it and feel it all like, you know, again, the word efficiency comes up, like we'll be much more efficient with this up leveling that, that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm. Great insight. Well, it's not mine, but it came <laughs> came out of my mouth in this moment. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. I needed to hear. Oh, good. Mm. What what has self regulation looked like for you in these past few months? As you've been like, I know you're a big feeler and you've got a big heart, and I I know that what's been going on in the world has has affected you in many different ways. So what, what are you doing with it right now? Great question. What have I been doing? If having transitioned through having a, a purpose full plan to be in Africa and start this bike taxi company and had that put on hold to return me back to Canada. It's really been in a, a process of acceptance mm. to, to honor what's, what's safe. And, and I think there may be a bit more of a red flag than necessary for this time, but I think. Um, what do you mean by that? I've, right now, I'm in Northern Italy, which is kind of the right. feared place that, mm -hmm. you know, the birth, not the birthplace of COVID, but where a lot of cases kind of brought this country to a really sobering state of, yeah. of fear. And I'm. I'm a citizen here at the moment, out in the world, buying groceries, interacting with people, and remembering that a virus doesn't have to change us to not interact with the world in a natural way. And I think this work of, of breathing and learning how to increase our container is like preparing us to come back out and be like full acceptance of 
maybe your color and your race, which is another beautiful lesson that's come from this time indoors. It's helping us understand the fragility of multi-generations to know that we really need to care more about our elders than, than we do at the moment because they're, a, they're at a high risk for contracting some sort of illness. And a lot of people show that respect through wearing a mask. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, this Latin culture is a lot more affectionate and close and Mm. every one of Davide's friends that I've met, like, yes, we wear masks when we're in public and then you sit down and eat and you take it off because you don't just like slide the food in under the mask, but like you hug and you can still hold them close and it doesn't have to, you know, they say six, you know, keep your distance six feet apart, but you can still maintain a healthy balance wearing your mask doing the metering distance when you're in public places with strangers that you don't know where they've been or where the Mm -hmm. history is, but you can still feel comfortable and safe in the environment that you're in and Mm -hmm. know that there are, there's amazing help. Like there's healthcare facilities in most of the towns and, and cities that we, we do visit. And I think, yeah, that's just an important message that, this, sometimes we put stigmas over places. And when I was sharing with some people that I'm going to reunite with my boyfriend and where is he from Northern Italy? And there was like a gasp response that sent a gasp response on me. And I'm like, why are you freaking out? I don't want to freak out. Like I'm, I'm pro-life. I'm trusting this process right now. It's where I want to be. And yeah, I think, I think we'll have to maybe rewire our stories and find find more of that that duality of mm-hmm. being like okay one day yeah we're gonna die we don't know how we're gonna get there but what we know now is that the years that we live and the time that we want to spend we should really be doing what we love mm-hmm. and if we've lost our jobs I have lost my job um, for the rest of the year and for who knows how long I'm not sure what is going to happen to tourism after this and that's something that I work to find peace with but I know that my life work is a lot more invested in things. And I can't say that I'm a creature who has like, who has a purpose. I feel like I have many purposes and I feel like you Mm. have many purposes. And I think there's like, there's so much power behind just having passion in, in living. And even though we were in, you know, a state of closing or being more insular, I still did, the Trans Canada Trail through Saskatchewan and kept to myself and camped out. But like I pursued that passion without risking other people's health along the way. I stayed with my little group and that felt like a win. And mm-hmm. when I look back on the time that I spent, no, it wasn't planned to be back in Canada. Um, but I'm really grateful. And now that I'm here without work, which was the plan for coming back, you know, I thought maybe I was going to get to go back to Ireland and work. That's not the case. Um, but I've got more of a vision with how I want to be spending my time and I needed to push pause and reflect because reading headlines is heartbreaking and just because life is full of loss and people are people are afraid and I think that if we're living our life with passion even if we don't know our purpose and that question is scary or hard for us we're going to feel satisfied at the end of the day. So be it, you know, you want to 
see the colors of the rainbow in your kitchen. So you're going to go buy all the fruits and vegetables to make that happen every day. That's a great thing to be passionate about. Maybe you want to like paint pictures of them or I don't know, teach your kids the alphabet and they can learn all different spices or plants using that aspect. I don't know exactly what that entails, but just to bring, don't lose the passion because of the fear of this changing world that mm. we're in. Just allow this time to like re-sift those interests that you may have had, but come out with joy and come out with like gusto and just know that your, your belief in making it through this dark time that we've had is actually what's kind of the light at the end of the tunnel. So mm -hmm. if we can like hold our heads high and have good integrity because we're, we're trying to be more united as a country and as a town and as a family, and we're trying mm -hmm. to build bridges instead of walls. Like I think just having that, that desire to, to build is going to be a huge asset. Definitely. Yeah. I love that. that was my tangent. I think mm. I jumped all over the place, but no, it's wonderful. <laughs> I love what you just shared. I think there's, there was a lot, a lot of wisdom in all of that. And I think, I think that's such an important message for us to hear on repeat. You know, I know that every time I hear anything along those lines, it just feels like warm tea inside of mm. my body of like, yeah, this is it. It's just about just keep trying, keep learning, follow your passion mm -hmm. and, and don't let fear get the best of you because, you know, talking about a virus or what's going to kill you, like that's the fear. Mm -hmm. And literally it, it drops your immune system. It makes you overbreathe. Like every time you've done the reenactment of, of shock, it's a huge mouth breath in. I'm going <laughs> to kill you, girl. <laughs> right. I need my tape. Yeah. <laughs> but and I think another like one more component is that I was so famous for because I put too much on my plate deciding that I was going to mm. do a double degree and be a varsity athlete and own a home and work three jobs and have a boyfriend and come on I slept four hours a night and somehow it worked and I felt like I was living my best life but I was exhausted and I overcommitted and I put off so many things that now bring me a lot of joy because I don't put them off anymore. And I have a lot more realistic ideas of what needs to happen in one day. And if all you want it, you know, maybe the thing that's going to bring you a lot of passion is to sketch a picture, just pick up a napkin and a pencil. Now just sketch that picture really quick because you don't know, like you don't know what the image is going to look like at the end, but you'll feel really satisfied when you did it. And before coming over to Italy, I was with a girlfriend for a month and we are waiting for the borders to open and being patient with this process. And I love watercolors. I'm not good at watercolors, but I love watercolors. And I paint and I paint horribly. And sometimes it's like, oh, a stroke of genius. But a lot of the time it's not great, but it brings me joy. And I'm like, I'm a painter. I have mm. my paint. We went for a hike in the mountains last week and I brought my paintbrush. I forgot my paints, but I would have like, I like to keep the tools. Sometimes it's my hairbrush. I think it was holding my hair in a bun at the, for that purpose. But, um, wow. but I brought the practice of painting into my friend's life. And it was so fun because she's a very 
she's like mastered that finance, the financial family aspect of her life that I admire so much. She's got big, beautiful, happy family. Kids are doing great with their life. And, and I'm like the friend that gets to interject for a while and remind her to have fun and not have Mm -hmm. to structure it all. And that she can step outside. We can have a glass of wine. We can paint a picture at night of a sunset. And since I've left, she's kept painting pictures and sent me more photos of the next sunset she's painting. And I just woke up to a message this morning saying she's joining a painting group. And that made me feel so great because like, why put off for tomorrow? What can happen now? Mm -hmm. And I hope we don't keep thinking we have this, we have endless breaths because we don't know, as you mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier, we don't know how many breaths we have in this life. Mm-hmm. But if we fill them, fill the ones that we have now doing the things that really light that fire for us, I think, mm-hmm. I think we'll just get to enjoy the days a lot more. Yeah, yeah, totally. And the faster you breathe, the shorter your life will be. So slow down. <laughs> I was just breathing very fast as I was telling that story. So thank you for the reminder. <laughs> it's hard when we're talking. I'm finding that's one of the, you know, as I'm, I can be so obsessive with this stuff. It's hilarious. But I, I'm very, I'm just very hyper aware. We'll call it that. Um, <laughs> when I'm, when I, when I talk though, that's, that's definitely you know, it's so easy to get into a pace of, of talking quick. And you'll notice that because your mouth is open, you're talking. But every time you take a breath, it's a, a little sip in through the mouth. And so what I'm really trying to do is slow down a little bit so that when I do need to take a breath, I can close my mouth and breathe through my nose. And I feel better when I talk this way. And I'm sure it's terribly annoying for some people. And I think I'll get better at it because it's practice and you become more efficient the more you practice. And so it won't be as many pauses. But the more that I'm learning about what we're doing to our body when we breathe through our mouth, the more committed I am to keeping it, keeping it close. So I used to be an excessive yawner and my husband would, (laughs) you know, he had this joke that um, it's actually similar to to Sarah Anderson's. We both, when we yawn, we both like, ah, just open our mouth and we're just like, I'm yawning. And and, <laughs> and both Andrew and Sarah's uh, husband would say the same thing. Like, look at us and be like, were you born in a barn? Like, what the fuck? And, but I was just like, don't get in the way of my yawn. It feels so good. And Andrew would get into this phase where he would just like shove his finger in my mouth really quick when I yawned. And I would get so mad because a yawn is so satisfying. And I would get, I would be like, don't disturb my yawn. Like I couldn't stop until I could like block him so I could complete my yawn. And it's so interesting that since learning about this mouth breathing, nasal breathing, proper way of breathing, that now when I yawn, as soon as I catch my mouth start to open, I'm going, and I close my mouth and I try to stop the yawn. And then I take a little breath and I exhale. And then I hold my breath. So that way my CO2 levels slowly start to increase. I'm changing my tolerance one yawn at a time. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) I love you. Oh, mouth breathing. Nothing's hard. (laughs) It's really hard. And every time you said the word yawn, you were triggering a yawn response in me. I'm like, "Mm, 
Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Y'all are funny it can like be done that. With your nose. Mm-hmm. That's something I've never contemplated before, but you're proving mm-hmm. everything that's possible, Marin. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not me. It. I'm just, I'm regurgitating. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what else sponge. is, is there anything else that's coming up for you that you, you feel compelled to share or any, any threads that we've dropped along the way that you, you're aware of that you want to pick up? Is there anything that comes up? Mm. Well, you just have my brain going a little bit with this breathing practice. Mm-hmm. There was a holiday called the Ferragusto. Um, it translates to like the celebration of iron, I guess, because fer is like the element of iron in Latin. But it's about it's a religious holiday that the Italians celebrate and eat and drink. Just give it a reason to eat and drink and get together some more. So it's it was fun. We went to a a gathering, mm-hmm. and um, Davide used to be a, a musician, and mm-hmm. um, so he was playing with a fellow that he played music with, and. It was really fun to watch him back in his element where he spent mm. years of his life kind of developing his like confidence and all like a lot of his songs were in English. So mm. for a while he was the lead singer of a Guns N' Roses cover band. Nice. Has <laughs> like lungs. Uh, he could sing really loud, which is something I'm learning how to do. I mm. sing very quiet and melodic, but I picked up the guitar and sang in front of this group of people, which is something I've never done before. And then wow. sang a few other songs with him with a microphone and was like, wow, that's like, that's kind of a life goal. I always wanted to like sing in public and was thinking like during this time, what, what are skills that I'd love to develop more of and what brings me so much joy and singing is something I do when I'm happy mm. and I hum and I sing and I know when I'm with like good people and feeling comfortable in, in, in the silent moments, I'm like kind of humming a song and I'm like, ah, oh, this is good company. I feel good when I'm in this place or with these people. Mm. So was, anyways, I've been exploring a little bit more of the musical component, but wondering how you can breathe through your nose and sing. So I'm like thinking, <gasps> they teach you. Mm-hmm. I think when you sing, you breathe. I don't know what I do right now, but I'm going to, and I'm going to explore it a little bit more. Yeah. And, and I don't think it's not like breathing through your mouth is going to kill you, right? It's the, I think the point is as well that once you get yourself to, again, that bolt score of 20 seconds or higher, yeah, the blood oxygen level test, that's when really you can consider yourself a little bit more balanced. You're going to be able to continue to raise that number, but that's when you can be a little more lenient with these things that until you get to that point, it's important to be disciplined and a little bit more strict with it because you're, it's way easier to slide in some really unhealthy directions if you're not paying Mm -hmm. attention to these important things. So that's one piece to keep in mind, right? It's, and you, we tested your bolt score before we started and you were at 25. So you're fine. Open mouth singing. Go for it. Okay. Yeah. It might be handy. Sorry. What is, ask, what, do you know the significance of why it's the, the festival of iron? Like no, what's... no, I didn't look into it. It was, mm. I think it, it just translates to English as iron, but I'm sure it, mm. fair gusto. I think Augusto is a saint's name and I don't know why fair was pulled into it. Hmm. Let's look into that. 
we'll have to look into it. But as yeah. an end, we found out, well, we got invited to come back and sing more when the bar opens and things reunite. They're like, come and perform. So wow. the reason Davide and I actually, well, our first conversation was about me provoking him to start a band with me. Because I was like, I like music and he likes music. And mm -hmm. wow, I've always wanted to start a band. That's just like a childhood dream. And then I actually found out he's talented and knows how to play music well. And then I got very embarrassed and backpedaled a lot as we were trying out guitars in a shop. And I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? This guy's talented. But it's fun. I played piano growing up. Before this call, I was actually, we went and bought an electric piano. So oh, I will okay. practice breathing with my mouth closed and mm -hmm. just to warm up gonna, and then just to warm up, then let it rip. I'll belt it out. Okay. Yeah. You know, another interesting <laughs> thing you say when you notice that when you're really happy, you find yourself humming a lot. Mm -hmm. Interesting thing about humming. Obviously, as a yogi, you know about like the humming bee meditation and, um, mm. and you know, that so clearly there's something about humming that's good. But what I've discovered is that so there's two sides of it. One is that with humming, you're you're vibrating your vagus nerve right? The vagus nerve is this deep connection to the parasympathetic nervous system. It's receiving these yeah. vibrations, which sends these healing and calming frequencies throughout your entire body. So wow. that's part of why humming, right? The, because the vagus nerve goes right through your throat with the peripheral branches move through your face, your ears, goes down through all of your major organs. So you are sending wow. healing and calming vibrations. Part of that is simply that you wouldn't hum if you were in danger. And so that's just the other side of it. Anything you wouldn't do if you were in danger, your body recognizes, oh, okay, I can downregulate because this is a non-dangerous thing or I wouldn't be doing this if I was in danger. But the other I thing I just it. learned about humming yeah. is that when you hum, you're amplifying the reservoir of nitric oxide in your body. How? So, yeah, nitric oxide is in, uh, I'm not a scientist, forgive me if I repeat this wrong. It's it's in all of your blood vessels in the lining of the blood vessels, but there's also a, a, a huge reservoir of nitric oxide in the nasal cavity. And so part oh. of the reason why doing really slow nasal breathing is so good for the body is that it gives the nitric oxide a lot of time to latch onto the air molecules as it moves through your nose, down your throat, into your lungs. And nitric oxide dilates the blood vessels. So it makes it so blood and chemicals and any kind of communication the body can move more efficiently mm -hmm. and um and so that's happening all throughout your body is that when when you're humming it's it's amplifying the nitric oxide so not only is your vagus nerve vibrating with healing frequencies but all of the vessels in your body start to open up so things can start moving more easily so that's why it just feels so harmonious and relaxing wow mm -hmm crazy right man bodies are fascinating i know yeah so i'm i'm humming a lot more than usual just because of that <laughs> that's so good when did you have last <laughs> such a funny question <laughs> yeah well, I'm, I'm sure i was humming this morning actually i um i woke up this morning really early because our neighbor was blasting music all night till 6 a.m. And and so I was up at, I finally got out of bed at about 4.45 and, and went and actually sat like right against the wall with his music blasting 
just to, cause it was happening, right? So I was like, I might as well like get a little vibration from it. So I'm sitting against the wall and doing my breath work and, you know, doing a little humming and, you know, some ohms. And, and then I actually just stood up at one point as well and, and was kind of humming. I couldn't tell what the song was, but I was kind of like humming along and dancing, like just trying to convince myself that like, this is my party. I chose this music instead of fighting what was going on or being upset about it. I was just like, this is happening and I'm going to enjoy it. And so I had a little dance party five in the morning. Um, there was definitely a lot of humming going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Hashtag party of one. <laughs> Yeah, always so fun to connect with you and share stories and practices, tears, all the good stuff. And my brain feels more full and I feel like I need to practice my English a bit more because I don't speak it often here. I'm listening Mm. to a lot of Italian and people putting together broken sentences, but that's the beauty of growing my brain into a new language. Hopefully I'll hold both duality yes you will yeah next time we talk maybe a little bit more Mm. but i'm inspired and feel a lot of gratitude for your friendship and a lot of admiration for the work that you're doing at home and building this community with your neighbors having parties and (laughs) finding ways to kind of create harmony with all all the extensions of yourself so Thank you for letting me be a part of your story. Mm. Thank you. I appreciate you. All right. Well, and thank you for everyone who stayed with us this long. I have no idea how long we've been recording, but it was great. And I'm, uh, I'm just so grateful. So thank you, everyone. And until next time, see you later. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on social media at Dopamine, that's D-O-P-E-A-M-E, or on my website under that same title, dopamine.com. Please subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it, and do not hesitate to reach out if you have questions or comments. I would love to hear what you want to learn more about. So until next time, love big and play big. Peace.